Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit to help us through the words of today's sermon to see that you give us our daily bread, usually through our own labor and the labor of others. However, as we will look at the futility of our own labor, help us not to fall into despair, but rather let us see the blessings that you give to those who love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, and chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. To remind you of that account, I will read my translation of the first verse. Vapor of vapors, says the assembly speaker. Everything is vapor of vapors. This is the word of our Lord. On a cold winter day, if you exhale, the condensation in your breath freezes and you can see that breath for just a minute. And then, boom, it's gone, right? And that's what the Hebrew word that we translate vapor of vapors or often meaningless, meaningless represents. It's there for a second and gone, just like that. So in Ecclesiastes, Solomon goes through and shows how many things of this earth are just like that. They're here for a moment, poof, and they're gone. But at chapter 2, verse 18, he starts applying that to our labor. And the Hebrew word used for work is the blood, sweat, and tears kind of work. It's not just like hobbies where we can tinker around and stop the minute it gets hard. It is blood, sweat, and tears work. He's saying, poof, vapor. Everything you work so hard for, all of it, adds up to just gone. Really, what Solomon is saying is summarized in our gospel lesson, where Jesus talks about the guy who, he had quite a bumper crop. He says, what am I going to do? Oh, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's nothing wrong with having a 401k, and there's a lot of wisdom in saving up for retirement. But the man's problem in, in Luke chapter 12, verses 18 through 21, is really in verse 19, listen to the strange wording. I will tell my soul, soul, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Your soul, which is eternal. Your soul, which is the very spark of life. His problem is, if that's what he's telling his soul, all his bumper crop, the ability to just take it easy in life, that's the whole meaning of his existence, and he could care less about his relationship with God. And as Jesus points out in that gospel lesson, poof, that's going to be demanded of him that night, and it's gone. And so our sermon theme for today is, worldly labor is momentary. And again, in verse 18, that's spelled out for us. I myself also hated all of my hard work of which I toil away under the sun since I will inevitably leave it behind to the man who will succeed me. And who is knowing whether he will be a wise man or a fool? Yet he will have power over all my hard work of which I have toiled away and of which I have acted wisely under the sun. This also is vapor. For what will you be known for when you leave? Many people think that they can be known for, like great architects for buildings they built that last for a long time, but even they will eventually deteriorate and be gone, won't they? They will not last the day of destruction. Many years ago, I remember watching a movie in which a man, the head of his corporation, was about to retire. 
And, and it was a corporation. He dealt a lot with people. He may have been an insurance person. I don't remember all the details. But yeah, the guy who's going to take over his office and his position, he shows him box after box of all these personality profiles and everything. And, and he brags to the guy, I am handing you a lifetime's worth of knowledge. You will be equipped in ways I've never been equipped. Three days after his retirement, he goes to visit the office and in an alley where the trash is, there are all those boxes. The man who he'd handed the monument of all of his hard work and said, I'm really giving you an edge, could care less. Wasn't on a computer, didn't see the benefit, and into the trash it went. Such it is with our hard labor. And if we think we're building a monument by the things of the work of our hands that we leave behind, poof, it's gone. So, Solomon says, So I turned my heart around towards despair over all the hard work of which I have toiled away under the sun. For where there is a man who has toiled himself away in wisdom and knowledge and in skill, then he will end up giving his fair share to a man who has not toiled away in it. This also is vapor and a great injustice or a great evil. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we call them trust babies today. I've met a few of them in my life where grandpa invented some product, got it copyrighted, and three generations later there's a trust that runs the company and, and a person who doesn't even understand the product, doesn't understand the employees involved, gets a check every month from the company and they just spoil it. That's what he's talking about. I work so hard, I've put so much into this and it's going to go to somebody who... They didn't do this. They didn't toil away in wisdom and knowledge and skill. And we've got to remember, in the Old Testament, wisdom and knowledge are done in the concept of God's wisdom. Knowledge of God as the Savior. For the world's wisdom, well, we have some logical principles at best, but it will fail us. Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, we toil away. And we're going to despair if all we're doing is building up a monument to ourselves, something we think I'll leave behind because of the work I've done. But when we know the Lord, we have a rest and we have no reason to despair. God has done all the work for our salvation and that defies the wisdom of this world because the wisdom of this world is there's no such thing as a free lunch, yet I'm entitled to it if there is. But you understand there is a free lunch, and it's the most important thing of all. God did all the work for your salvation. Anytime somebody teaches you have to do this in order to be saved, they're denying that Jesus did all the work. There is a work that we can do. Jesus gave the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing and by teaching them. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that work is not meaningless. And whether we work in a power company or we work as a nurse or a teacher or we're retired, you've got to remember that the work you do is done as one who trusts in Christ. The blood of Christ has washed away your sin. And so there's something different to the work that you do. Verse 22 continues by telling us, For what happens to the man in all his hard work, in all the striving of his heart of which he is toiling under the sun? For all his days consists of sorrow and his occupation consists of frustration. Even in the night his heart does not lie at rest. This in and of itself is also vapor. When Adam and Eve were put in the garden, work was a joy. It wasn't toilsome. When they trusted the devil's lies and did not see God as good and they fell into sin, God cursed 
the earth against Adam. Even told him, by the sweat of your brow, you will now provide. You will now work. And it is a struggle as we struggle to put a roof over our head, clothes on our back, and food in our stomach. We do it by sweat, toil, blood, sweat, and tears. And it is frustrating, isn't it? It makes a constant sorrow out of it because... The things, we acquire a car to get us to work and the car breaks down. We need the work to put the roof over our head and and the food in our stomachs and so often work is not so enjoyable. We get bosses that are miserable. We have bad decisions that we have to follow, but they're not made by us. We know the frustration. All because of the fall. And even at night, even at night we toss and turn, oh great, Little Junior has broke his leg. How am I going to pay that emergency room bill? Oh, great. The stock market has crashed. My 401k has taken a hit. And I'm so close to retirement. If the meaning of life is the things by which we try to put a roof over our head and clothes on our back and food in our stomach, we are going to be miserable. What a joy it is to know that God is in control And that God will keep us fed right up until the time He calls us to heaven. What a joy it is to know that our Savior rules over all creation for us. Because worldly labor is momentary. And if that is all we have, the pleasures that it buys for us will disappear. Along with all the frustration that comes in acquiring it. And so in verse 24, oftentimes it's translated as a comparative. There's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and find joy in his work. This too I saw is from God's hand. For who can eat or enjoy himself apart from him? And what's stated there is certainly biblical and good theology. But it's not what the Hebrew says. We translate as a comparative because way back a long time ago, guys like Jerome, over 1,700 years ago, who translated the Bible into Latin, that's called the Vulgate, he didn't quite understand original sin. The Hebrew literally says there's no good in a man of which he can eat and drink and can show his soul the good in his hard work. I myself have seen that even this is from the hand of God. If you don't understand original sin, if you don't understand that Adam and Eve lost the image of God and it's only restored in us by faith, but we still have a sinful nature, this verse will not make sense. If you want to brag before God, look at the lasting monuments I've built. If you want to say as the atheist, the militant atheist often screams, why should I thank God for this bread on my table? Because it's my blood, sweat, and tears that put it on this table. You have to admit, there are viruses. One that's really scary to think about. You catch it, shuts your heart down. Boom, you're done. A little bite from a tick or a mosquito and you're done working, even though you'll take on probably a million bites from mosquitoes in your life. See, if God does not give you the health, you can't find good in your work. Behind everything, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking God, give us the health to provide for our daily bread as well. And if we want to brag in our hard work, find satisfaction, he says there, and can show his soul the good in his hard work. Even the things I do for God. I've given up careers so that I could preach the word of God. And if I want to brag before God, look at what a great preacher I am. I love you so much. Look at how much I do for you, God. God will respond. You wouldn't have the faith to do that if I hadn't given it to you. 
You wouldn't have the gifts to preach if I hadn't given it to you. And let me remind you in your arrogance that that is a sin and that everything you do is tainted by your sin and my son's blood must be poured upon it to wash your sin off to make it good. So if I want to find some joy in my labor and and want to brag before God, it doesn't happen. If God doesn't bless my work and give me the health, it's just foul manure before God. And so Solomon says, I myself have seen that even this is from the hand of God. It is a blessing to know that we are completely reliant on God because then our hearts embrace that God has saved us and does bless us. And so Solomon says literally in the Hebrew, for who can eat and who can worry more than me? Remember that Solomon was given wisdom above what most human beings had. He was the king in the most prosperous and peaceful time in Israel's history. He got to build the temple. There was a highway in which all of the world's goods went down to Egypt and he got to tax that. So Solomon, until very recent history, was one of the richest men in history. And he says, if you want to think your blood, sweat and tears puts food on your table, if you think you can brag to your soul about a work you've done, you've got nothing compared to me. And yet I recognize... I got all the food on my table and I recognize I'm sinful. And he literally says, who can worry more than me? He's the king of Israel. He has to worry about wars and peace and everything else. And he knows it's a blessing to have God show me I will screw it up. And therefore, it's a blessing to know God is in control and he'll even clean up my mistakes. Worldly labor is momentary, but knowing God as your savior is eternal. And so he says in verse 26, For God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to the man who is good in God's presence. Hence, basically, Jesus' blood is poured upon them. So even though we're still sinners in this life, God looks at us and he sees his son's holiness. And he looks at his son and he sees your sin. So in that case, God has given you the wisdom to know he's in control. He's your loving heavenly daddy. He's your brother who has saved you. He's the Holy Spirit who lives in your heart and has given you that new and perfect person. He's given you that knowledge and that gives you joy. It gives you joy even when your labor is falling apart from you. And maybe people who are persecuting you for being a Christian are withholding your daily bread because you know there's more to this life than that. The buck doesn't stop at your table. It stops in eternity with Jesus Christ. But he says, yet to the one who keeps on sinning, God gives the occupation of gathering and collecting in order to give to the one who is good in the presence of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, The one who keeps on sinning. You and I, even as believers, continue sinning. What he's talking about here is the unbeliever. And the word that's used in Hebrew for sin has a neat word picture. It's the most common word for sin in Hebrew. You've got a bullseye and you're trying to shoot with the bow and arrow. And you're trying to hit the bullseye, but you miss. A person who thinks that they're going to heaven because they've done just a little bit. They've made their decision and they've given enough offering and they've come to church enough times. If that's what they think gets them in heaven, they're missing the mark. They're not relying on Christ. And it seems just the opposite, doesn't it? It seems like the unbeliever, they get to sleep in on Sunday. They're not giving offerings to support a church so they can afford a nicer car and a bigger four-wheeler. But what does he say? He says they have the occupation of gathering and collecting to give it over to the one who the Lord has given wisdom. 
You recognize, for example, we are blessed because we have the word printed and we have it printed in books, codexes. Christians didn't invent the scroll. Christians didn't invent the codex. But we certainly benefited from it and took over it, didn't we? Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the long run, even the unbeliever who is the most God-hating and militant against God's children ends up having to serve God's children. And so the true wisdom and the true meaning of life for an unbeliever is to come to faith. Faith that Jesus Christ is true God who took on human flesh and did all the work for your salvation. And once you are a believer, the meaning in life is to continue to grow in that trust and to share it with others. Yes, your worldly occupations you will use to empower us to have a heated and air conditioning building in your offerings. You will use that also to have friends at work that God will use you to shine with His glory so that they come to faith. And there truly is knowing a meaningful life. Worldly labor is momentary. Our epistle lesson summarizes this up very well. Colossians 3 verses 1 through 3. Therefore, because you were raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. Now he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen.